I hope you guys love church. I hope that as Sunday approaches, you guys get a little more giddy. Um, church is, it's a place, but it's more than that, it's you. You're the church. Um, we always refer to this building as the church, but it's a building. We are the church, and that's with a capital C. And the church encourages, and we pray, and we study, and we worship. We also come alongside of our fellow believer when they are in need. And I wanted to take a moment before we get into the Word today to pray for Eddie. Eddie is someone, Eddie is a behind-the-scenes guy. Eddie doesn't want to be up here with a spotlight on him. That's not who Eddie is. Eddie is the guy that you'll drive by and see him helping a stranger change their tire. Or if there's something that camp needs, Eddie goes, I'll make that. Or if you need somebody here early to unlock and and Eddie will jump on a camera, he'll take up the tithe, he'll be a door greeter. Eddie's just a, an Isaiah. Isaiah said, here am I, use me. And Eddie's got a procedure tomorrow. He's going to the hospital. And so, Eddie, if you'd be so kind as to just come up here. Uh, Doc, Betty, Monica, uh, Jay and Iva, if you guys would just come up and just lay hands on him. We're going to pray over him. Thank you. We serve, we serve a God where nothing is too big, nothing is too small. Father God, our brother Eddie has a procedure tomorrow, and you already know that. We're just reminding you of your promises. Uh, you're never going to leave, and so you're going to be right there with him. And even though he's walking through a valley that may not be pleasant, that doesn't mean that you will not be glorified through it. God, you're going to give him strength. You're going to give him peace. You're going to bless all those that are attending to him, doctors and nurses, to give them wisdom and let them uh, uh, see things that need to be seen and do things that need to be done. And he's going to feel so much better after this procedure is done. He's going to be back clicking his heels and doing the things that he likes to do. God, we love him. He's our brother in Christ. And we just speak life and healing and blessings and favor over him in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Man, man. Amen, amen. I want to introduce you guys to some people today. Uh, we're going to start right over here. By the way, youth, it's good to see all of your wonderful smiling faces. And that's a good cue for everyone to smile. So you guys are going to get to, you guys are going to, get to be introduced to this first person. So the first person I'd like to introduce you to is 12-year-old John Brown. He stands right over here. You're going to kind of have to use your imagination a little bit. I was a little, little smaller. I was a lot smaller. I was very, very, very thin. Um, I didn't have any facial hair. I didn't have any glasses yet. Okay. 12-year-old John Brown. Oh, he has a few problems. If you were to ask 12-year-old John Brown, what's your biggest problem? 
He could have narrowed it down to two things. Biggest problem. One was public speaking. Because at 12, we started giving oral reports in junior high. And I would have sooner you taken me outside and shot me than to do an oral report in front of my peers. Scared me to death. That was a big problem. The other problem that 12-year-old John Brown had was I, I went to a Christian school, and before we started our day, we went up into the sanctuary, and we would say our pledges, and we would read our scripture and have morning announcements. And there was a girl that sat right in front of me who I thought was going to be the next well, going to be Mrs. Brown. There wasn't a next Mrs. Brown yet. I just, she was just so cute. And so I decided the best thing that I could do to show her my affection was pull her pigtails because she sat in front of me. And then when she turned around, I looked the other way. She didn't pay me any attention. And it was rocking my world. So between oral reports and this girl, those were my biggest problems. And they were big. Don't look at me like they're small problems. <laughs> they were major. I mean, I heard my parents talking about stuff, nothing compared to what I was going through. We're going to keep 12-year-old John Brown right over here. You guys enjoy that. Everybody on this side, I'd like to introduce you to 30, 20 years have elapsed, 20-year-old John Brown, he is not exempt from problems. I find myself in Christian education, I find myself making very little money, and I find myself with four Children that are running amok in my house, and they're all small, and they're all needy. <sighs> and my phone rings. Now look, 32-year-old John with all of these situations I've just described, there's a lot of stress there. But my phone rings, it was a Saturday, and it was a parent that called. And I said, Hello? And this parent's child had not done well on a test. All I did was grade it. I didn't take it. They didn't pass the test. And the parent had no idea. How could this happen? My son would never fail a test. Well, it happened. Sorry. But in our system, if you fail a test, maybe in regular school, uh, like public school, then you just fail a test. If you fail a test in the ACE schools that we, we were involved in, where's Tyler? You took that test again. You took the whole subject, uh, the pace again, took you about three weeks because you hadn't learned the material. And so until you learn the material, you can't move on. And so I said, it's okay. He's going to get another chance to take that science test, and he'll, he can do better. But that wasn't a good answer for my parent. And he decided, he made a choice to begin to use language that I wasn't real fond of and begin to call me things that I didn't prefer and try to make me feel about that tall. So 32-year-old John Brown hung up the phone and went in and sat in my living room defeated. 
just sunk in my chair. Problems. And now we have 52-year-old John Brown. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but thank you. I'm not going to go into detail of the problems that 52-year-old John Brown is facing. But they're real. Um, the, uh, the past two weeks have been extremely difficult. And I don't want you to be like, well, I wonder what his problem is. It doesn't matter. Here's my point. If you find yourself around the 12-year-old and your problems seem similar, they're still problems and they're still important. And if you find yourself over here and you're maybe, a, you know, in your early 30s, Ashley. I didn't say Jeremy. I said Ashley. Your problems are evident and they're very real. Or if you find yourself more like me now in your early 50s. Don't ever let the enemy convince you that your problem is not important. Don't ever let the enemy alienate you and to say, no one knows what you're going through. You're the only one. That is a lie. Everyone here could be brought up here. You could say your name and your age, and you could all then voice your problems because they exist. They're all different. What do we do in the midst of life that constantly gives us problems. Well, I'd like for us to look at a portion of Scripture this morning that might help us understand a little bit more. The title this morning is The Purposed Shunammite. And you say to yourself, what in the world is a Shunammite? Well, it's a person that lives in Shunam. And, sh and it was, <laughs> so if you're from Shunam, you're a Shunammite. And there was a purposed Shunammite woman that is found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. And I, I just need to give you just a little bit of a, of a back story here as we're going to dive into the middle of the chapter. But uh, the Shunammite woman, she, she and her husband, they oozed kindness. We read the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And in that list was kindness they were kind people to the point that when the prophet Elisha came through their town periodically, they asked him to stay with them. They were the original B&B. &B. They, they took him in, they gave him a room, they built him a little section, and they said, anytime you're coming through, please stay with us. We'd love to take care of you. And Elisha was so moved by it that he looked at his servant Gehazi and he said, her kindness, their kindness overwhelms me. What is something that they need? And the servant said, Gehazi, I know that's a weird name. Uh, Gehazi said to Elisha, she has no child. She's barren. And so Elisha looked at her and said, 
because of your kindness and your willingness to help, you will conceive and you'll bear a son. And she did. And, and her heart was filled with joy and happiness filled their house. And so, you know, it's not always and they lived happily ever after, okay? That's fairy tales that, that are not necessarily real. Sometimes reality is more harsh. And so the son came forth, the family felt fulfilled, and all was good. And we begin reading in verse number 18 as we see the problem that arises. Verse 18 of 2 Kings chapter 4. When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his fathers, to the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head, and he said to a, another lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. A problem. I've never lost a child. I've lost a mother. It was hard. I've heard from people smarter than me who have been through more than me that there's nothing like the loss of a child. And if you're in here and that's you, my heart breaks. Because I can't even, you know, to imagine what that would be like, it, it hurts. And here in her situation, she had but one, and she cherished him. And out of nowhere, my head, my head, and by noon, he had died. No one is exempt from problems. Some problems are more severe than others. This one, it involved sudden loss, mental terror, and emotional heartbreak. And before the problem, there was a promise, and that was this son. When pastor and I have opportunities to talk more heart to heart, and Brad had brought it up about, you know, what is your purpose? I couldn't look pastor in the eye and tell him, this is your purpose, I know it. But I do know that God has used him for specific purposes in my life. And when 52-year-old John Brown experiences problems, and I look at them in their totality and think how bad they are and how big it looks and how overwhelming that problem is, I do think of those who have experienced even more and have walked through to get to the other side. And I look at Pastor and I said, I know that God hasn't put all this on your family. But anytime I think that I can't and I look at him, then I think that I can. Because it's Ephesians 6 when you've done everything you know how to do and you don't even know what else to do. The Bible says, stand. Keep standing. And so when I see him standing... I say, what, why am I about ready to get knocked down? What is that in me? If he can stand, then I can stand too. 
Think about your problem this morning and whatever it is that's number one on your list. God is there. Your problem isn't bigger than God. The problems will come. But it's not the fact that the problem comes. It's how you will respond. I've said this so many times, and I'll say it till death. Charles Swindoll coined it. 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you react. That's where character comes in. That's where the true John comes forth, is when problems come, how do I respond? Do I call up somebody and cuss them out because it didn't go my way? I got to watch out because I need self-control, which is led. It's, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. If I'm led by the Spirit, then I have self-control and I have kindness. After years of motherhood and watching her son grow, the long-sought-after gift from the Lord has now suddenly died. And it's the death of her vision. And I just, just real quick before we move on, you are going to have things in your life that come up and you just know that this is from God and you feel the anointing on it and you feel led to do it, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a new business adventure, whether it's a move, uh, whatever it is. You feel like that this is the direction that God wants you to go and then suddenly that dies. And you're like, oh my goodness. I th God, I thought this was the plan for me. I thought this was the path for me. I thought this is what you were speaking into my life. Death of a vision. Ask Abraham about death of a vision. Abraham waits a hundred years and through a lot of turmoil finally gets his promised son Isaac. And after Isaac is grown and they're doing things together as father and son and having a blast, God says, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to kill him. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Are you kidding me, God? I've waited my whole life. You told me that I will get a promised nation. My seed will be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky, and it's all going to come through Isaac, and you want me to what? Kill him. Death of a vision. We know the story. We know the account. Abraham raised the knife and ready to obey God, and God sent his angel and stopped his hand. But guys, there are times in your life where you feel like the problem is solved and you feel like you have the answer and the vision has been given and suddenly the vision is dead. What do you do when problems come? How do you respond? How do I respond? Well, I would love to take a look into the life of the Shunammite and see the response that comes after her promised baby boy has now taken his last breath on her knees. It's time for her to move past the problem and into the profession. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, And she went up and laid him, the boy, on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him and went out. Verse 22 she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, 
Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. She saddled a donkey. She said to her servant, drive, go forward, slack not thy riding because of me, except that I bid thee. And so she went and came to the man of God, Elisha, at Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. This is good. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. I am, am struggling just in my little day-to-day -day problems to always have a good profession. We had a joke when I worked at Mad Pricer in Sparta, we workers, and the joke was never ask people how they're doing. If you see them, say something positive like, beautiful day, isn't it? Or, hey, it's good to see you. Or, hey, we got some sales today. But don't ask how they're doing. Why? Because they'll tell you. And so often, I step into that same vein. How's it going today, John? Well, I didn't sleep very well last night. Where's Greg? Greg, Greg came in. Was that Friday? You brought the mail in. And uh, Greg comes in and, and brings me the mail and visits with me a little bit. And uh, Thursday... I had done legs, and I, I just beat the snot out of them. I, I was kind of, a, I needed to release, and I just dove into legs. So I go and open the door for Greg, and I am like 105 years old. <laughs> open the door for Greg, you know, I'm turning. And I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and tell him before he looks at me. I'm like, I, I did legs. I'm sore. Can't move. You know, I, I get to the chair to sit down and I go. <laughs> if I'm not careful, I can easily make a bad profession. I feel like junk. This is awful. I'm so sore. I should take the day off. I don't even know if I can function. And if you had to wait on me to get to the door, too bad. I'm moving slow. Deal with it. You know, when you find yourself just getting negative, and letting bad profession come out. And, and that's just little old me. She had every reason, every reason to complain. Her world just collapsed. Her very son's life just ended. And she went to her husband and said, I need to go to Elisha. And he's like, well, why are you going to go? It's, you know, there's no reason to go. It's not new moons, not Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. We are not going to spend time in conversation bad-mouthing God. I don't even have time to tell you what has all happened. I just need to get to the man of God. She said in verse 24 to the servant, Drive, go forward. Don't ride slow because I'm a woman. Don't take it easy on me. We got to get to the man of God and we got to do it now. Let's go. And when Elisha saw her coming, 
Elisha sent Gehazi and said, look, it's the Shunammite. Ask her if everything's well. And so Gehazi greets her and says, is it good with your husband? Is it good with you? Is it good with your child? And she says, it is well. No time to complain. No productivity in complaining. That's a good one to learn when you're young. It's, it's not productive to complain. And nobody enjoys a complainer. We as Christians should not look at problems and treat them as opportunities to violate the Scripture. What does Proverbs 18.21 say? It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You are speaking death or you are speaking life. It is your choice. Let's not say, well, I have every reason to complain and badmouth and gossip. I have every reason to let bitterness and anger come forth. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. And I'm justified in what I'm doing. That is incorrect. Death and life. Let's choose life. Let's be life speakers. Let's be positive people. Um, I, another gym story. I was at the gym, and a, a guy came in. He works uh, at one of the schools here in town, and he was talking about another person that we both know. And he said, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that person say a negative word. I said, what a great testimony. I said, that's awesome. I said, I, I don't think that I have either. And he was like, I can't say that about hardly anyone. Like, I, and he said, I want to be more like that person. I'm like, I do too. Absolutely. I want a reputation of people saying, you know, good things about my character, not man. You never know when he's going to lose his temper. You be around John, and he could just flip like that. You never know when a crossword's going to come out of his mouth or when he's going to just blow up. Be warned. I want people to know I'm pretty consistent and that I love on Jesus and that 10% of life is what happens, but 90% is how I react, and I'm going to be mindful how I react. Instead of verbalizing the problem, she decided to make a positive confession. She said, it is well. It is well. The choice that she made spawned one of the greatest songs ever known to man. On November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean on a steamship, Horatio Spafford's four daughters died as the vessel was struck by an iron sailing ship. 226 people lost their lives as the steamship sank within only 12 minutes. Remarkably, Anna Spafford, Horatio's wife, survived the tragedy. Those rescued, including Anna, who were found unconscious, floating on planks of wood, subsequently arrived in South Wales. Upon arriving, Anna immediately sent a telegram to her husband, which included these words, Saved alone. Upon receiving Anna's message, Horatio set off at once to be reunited with his wife. On one particular day during the voyage across that Atlantic Ocean, the captain summoned him to the bridge of the vessel. Pointing to his charts, he explained that they were passing over the very spot where the steamship had sunk and where his daughters had lost their life. History tells us that Horatio Spafford returned to his cabin and wrote the words, 
When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. And when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God, you've taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Verse 3 is my favorite. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Oh Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so. It is well with my soul. The problem will always produce an opportunity for you to make a good profession. And it's your choice. And it's my choice. And the Shunammite made her choice. And she said, it is well. And we see the problem. We saw the promise. We heard the profession. But now, let's see the purpose. Verse 27. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, salute him not. And if they salute you, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. Verse 30, the mother of the child says, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. The purpose was to get to the man of God. Now the Old Testament is different than now. The Spirit of God dwelt in specific people and the Word of God came forth from prophets. We now have the Holy Spirit and we have direct access to the Father. The veil has been torn and we can approach the Father boldly. We can take our petitions directly to Him. Elisha represented God and her purpose was to take her problems not here, not there, not over there, directly to God and pour her heart out. She could have, if she was alive in 2024, she could have caught everyone at Walmart who would listen and tell them all about the death of her vision and how disappointed she was with God. She could have blasted Elisha the prophet on social media with hate-filled words which were born out of hurt and cultivated with bitterness. And we all need to be very careful with that one. Social media is a great tool, but it's also a weapon. Use it wisely. She could have stopped attending church because she was offended that such a thing could have happened to her and her family. Instead, verse 30, she got 
to the man of God. And she says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Church, this morning, I want you to know your problem isn't small. It's very real. And for each of us, it's different. What do you do with your problem? Do you baby it and, and, and cuddle it? And do you, do you hang on tight to it? Do you want to tell everyone that you see about your problem? I hope that you realize that just as the Shunammite had this opportunity, she constantly said, it is well, it is well, it is well, until I can get to the Lord, it, it is well. This morning, I want us to have just a moment. A couple weeks ago when I spoke, I told you guys of some of the things that we do at camp, some of the things that we have done in fusion as far as the church prays for one another. I grew up in churches, and there were times that I wanted to get up close, and I wanted to get to the altar, and I just wanted to talk to my Lord. Not that I couldn't in my car. There's something different here. So we're going to play a song. And you have a couple options. You can sit right where you are, and you can enjoy the music, and you can talk to the Lord, and He can hear you. You can come down to the altar if there's a problem that you say, I'm tired of worrying about, I'm tired of carrying. I'm just going to give it to God. This altar is open, and you can come down and do that. If you desire someone in this building to pray with you about a situation, go grab them. I mean, we've, we've got some people here in front, and if you'd like someone to pray with you, uh, I, I was real close to, to grabbing Jeff and, and just saying, Jeff, like, I'm just going through some stuff, and I just need you to pray with me. And Jeff would have, like that. So maybe that's you. Maybe you want to find someone. You say, let's go to the altar together. You pray, pray for me. Maybe you're older and you don't want to come down here and kneel. That's fine. You just want to walk down here and just confess to the Lord your need of him. Whatever it is, this isn't about your neighbor and it's not about me. It's just about you and the Lord. And so we're just going to have a little bit of just time seeking, loving, pursuing the Lord. If you need me, I'm going to be the first one down here on my hands and knees because I need some help. And so I'm just going to seek the Lord. So this time is for you as we play this song.
the church is a hospital. And I am a broken individual in need of healing. So thankful that I know the healer. Amen. Amen.